Welcome back to Fourth and Infinity, folks. It's been a rough week in the NFL for all of us involved. We will get into this as we go throughout the episode today. But yeah, it was a painful, painful week of NFL football in many different ways. We'll get into all the reasons why this week was painful. It might be the most negative show that we've had so far. Actually, I guarantee it will be the most negative show that we've had so far. But let's hope to have some fun in this process. As always, I will introduce my co-host to you. First off, we've got Arcadio over there. Arcadio, you and Payne over there? <laughs> yeah, I've been there, buddy. I've been there. Well, I guess that's all he's going to say. Bobby, you in pain over there? Yeah, lots of pain. I think I need to go to the chiropractor after that. Lots of pain? Oh, yeah. the chiropractor. Oh, oh, God. Oh, boy. That chiropractor scares me. We mm-hmm. talked about that before. Last but not least, Jay, you in pain over there, buddy? Uh, Yeah, not not having a great time. Not having it's a great been, time. It's been a lot, a lot of better weeks. It seems unanimous that it's been nothing but pain in the NFL for us. And as I said, multiple different facets. We'll get into how our teams did. We'll get into how our fantasy teams did, which isn't much better. We'll get into how maybe one of our bets did. We'll get into all of that. It's mostly not good, folks. So apologies if it's, again, a more negative episode than usual. But we're going to get right into it as we do. So we will start with our recaps of the primetime games, which we always predict, and then we recap the following week. So going in order, we will start with a Thursday night football game, which for week two, a bit of a, or sorry, for week three, I guess, was a bit of a downgrade from the week two game in terms of star power and quality of teams. We had the Pittsburgh Steelers visiting Cleveland to play the Browns in the Thursday night game. And the first note that was written in our show notes is just pain. And I think that might be a bit harsh on this game. It wasn't, a, it wasn't the worst game that I've ever seen. It was just kind of dull. I had a couple bright spots and some good performances by a couple players, particularly on the Brown side of things. Uh, Jacoby Brissett had a pretty solid game as, I guess I was going to say, as the starter. He's the fill-in, obviously, but he's doing all right as the Brown starter so far. Um, Nick Chubb, as we mentioned uh, in the show notes as well, is the most consistent running back in the league right now uh, as far as scoring, uh, scoring and yardage and all that. Yeah, the Steelers side of things on offense has been... Not great this entire season, as we could have predicted. The Steelers are not an offense-heavy team, haven't been for a while to begin with, and with Mitch Trubisky in there. Trubisky doesn't have a history of uh, being a great quarterback that leads you to tons of scoring. He never was like that in Chicago, and he's not like that with this current Steelers team, and no one else is really helping pick up the slack either. So this was somewhat of an ugly game. We saw uglier games this weekend that we will get into, but yeah, this was not a particularly thrilling Thursday night game. No, not really. I mean... It, like you said, it was it was not the worst game of the primetime games, but um, it was no. definitely very basic on offense. You kind of have two limited quarterbacks. Chubb had a good game. Uh, the most exciting thing that happened was the very end, which cost more people bets, I think, than actual game. But it made the game look a lot better on the scoreboard as far as the Cleveland side goes with that uh, touchdown on the failed um, uh, hook and ladder type of play at the end there that resulted in a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe some fantasy love there for the defense if anyone started Cleveland. But um, this game was, it was NFL football, so it was entertaining. But I'd say it was a little bit more of a drag to get through than, than some others. Yeah, I saw um, with that last play, there was uh, people doing the daily fantasy, like the millionaire moneymaker or whatever. And they were all in line to split the million dollars. If the score held, it was going to be like $250,000 a person. And then that touchdown dropped them down to like seven hundred dollars each. Oof, damn, that's brutal. Yeah, I was gonna say like I think this is a, a classic Thursday night football game. Yep, uh, it's <laughs> NFL football. We'll watch it. It's it's okay, but uh, I think Thursday night football games, uh, especially in the past when it's been like 
AFC South divisional matchups and their mm-hmm. teams are just terrible. Or in this case, Steelers-Browns with nobody at quarterback. Like sometimes you get these quote-unquote primetime matchups, but it's really like it's something fun to do on a Thursday night. Keeps holds you over for the weekend and another Thursday night football matchup in the books. But it was well produced on Amazon. Um, I think one thing I wanted to hit on last time was I mentioned that uh, Amazon has a feature called Prime Vision, which is uh, basically they take the sort of the all 22 angle and there was talks about this camera angle as well later in the weekend but they take the all 22 angle and then they show you all the players with their names tagged on them and then the routes they run or like where they move on the field and then that's about like the two-thirds of the screen starting in the top left corner and then around the screen there's a bunch of stats and other information about the game as it's going on Um, and i think i enjoyed watching that version of the game just um, as it's something different and it keeps you interested because it's a different camera angle and you can see much more information and it's much more information filled. I don't think I would want it for every game, but like one game a week, it's it's an interesting way to uh, watch football. Yeah, we were talking about this all 22 camera angle because uh, I mentioned pretty early on that I was not a fan of the angle and then Bobby agreed with me. And then Jay, you sounded like you had seen it before, uh, maybe in the games that they've done on Twitch in the past before this season. I don't know, but yeah, it's a little, it's just too... It's too zoomed out for my liking. I get trying to capture every single player on the field and trying to capture the entire play, but I think it gets a little too hard to see the people that the play is actually focused on, uh, especially, obviously, on the offensive side of the ball. People start to kind of blend together when you zoom that far out. So I get the idea of it, but I think in practice for an entire game, it doesn't make for as great of a presentation for me personally. Yeah, I can see that, and that's why I think I like it as an alternate angle. Like um, You could definitely watch the regular Prime feed and the um, Prime Vision feed like on Twitch at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you wanted to watch some plays on Prime Vision and some plays on Prime, then you, you definitely could. And like they still did all the replays and the highlights that they usually do in their normal camera angles. So it wasn't like you were missing any of the sort of in-depth content after a play had happened. But of course, it, it does take away a little bit from when plays happen mm-hmm. on the field. Yeah. I don't think it's it's great for like the average consumer, like just the average Joe Blow that's just watching Thursday Night Football just because it's on probably won't get a whole lot out of it but like for football nuts for people like to break down film and all that like if they especially i don't know if they have the replays available or anything like that but that'd be that'd be a cool option yeah i don't know i haven't watched it on prime and i know prime has more of the dvr features but i'm sure that like people who are watching it can get their information they need and find a way to replay it if they need to mm-hmm. yeah this one i still haven't technically watched a full game on prime itself uh so the Chief Chargers game, as I said, I watched on the local NBC affiliate, which was the same overall presentation, I guess. It had Alan Kirk on commentary and everything like that. Uh, but this week, because the Prime Video feed was, which I started with, I started the game with, was behind the Twitch feed. I ended up switching over over to the Twitch feed, which crashed a couple times because I was on some shitty hotel Wi-Fi, unfortunately. But uh, overall, it was a fairly smooth experience on Twitch, and I don't know how if it was any different from the regular Prime Video broadcast because, like I said, I, um, I didn't do uh, the Prime Vision so I don't know exactly how different it was from the regular Prime feed. It might have just been the exact feed as far as I know. But Twitch was a fairly reliable way to watch the game overall. Again, I think if I had been on a more stable internet connection, it would have been fine. So you've got a lot of options as for how to watch these games, which I think is cool. Like you said, if nothing else, the All-22 cam um, being an alternate that you can watch, like variety is cool. Um, I'm sure some people get a kick out of it more than I do. So I'm glad that there are options for it as far as the presentation goes. Yeah, I'll have to give Twit to try um, either this week or another week because uh, I've, I've been just watching on the regular Prime feed and it's been fine. I'm a little behind, I think, the Twitch feed, but uh, it's just the easiest thing for me to watch at the moment because I don't have Twitch set up to get onto my TV. 
Um, but I'll, I'll give it a shot at some point because I do want to see how that works compared to the Prime feed. Yeah, I think I think this week I'm going to try to do it like side by side for science because I have like the two screens going right here. Mm-hmm. So I'll do like one for Twitch and then one for Prime. Yeah, and you can report back to us. Speaking of uh, of all that, uh, this was obviously a Prime Gen game, which means we made our picks. And Arcadio, I believe you were the lone wolf here thinking the Steelers were going to pull this one out and it did not go your way. No, no, it didn't. Um, Mitch Trubisky just bad. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Trubisky worse than Mike Tomlin good. Yeah, is, I think my take on on that. Yeah, I think we're going to be seeing uh, Kenny Pickett pretty soon. Probably. Yeah, I have the ESPN um, box score up here, and the top recommended video is Stephen A. saying it's time for the Steelers to give, to, uh, give Kenny Pickett a shot. So I would not be surprised if by midseason he's he's in because at a certain point, if they keep losing or if they keep just not showing any flash or sense of potential, it's like you might as well just put him in. Um, just to see, just to see how it works, because they got Trubisky as a stopgap. But when the stopgap's failing, I mean, sometimes you just kind of have to go sink or swim with the new guy, and might as well do it if if things don't turn around for them. Which I'm not seeing any signs that they will turn around. You know, the defense without T.J. Watt for an extended period of time, and the offense not really producing at all. Najee Harris is doing okay, but not doing enough to pick up the slack for the whole offense because they're not doing much through the air. Tomlin's always been kind of conservative on offense anyway, and I feel like it's just not working out so we'll see if they make any changes as far as personnel or as far as scheme and playbook but something's got to change in pittsburgh oh, yeah. i think it'll be an ugly season for them if they don't change something definitely i mean i think everyone kind of thought of trubisky as a kind of stopgap quarterback but i don't i don't see him lasting the season yeah i don't either I'm, i think he'll yeah. he'll be the backup by like i said probably mid-season if things don't turn around which i don't expect them to at least not significantly enough for him to keep his job the whole year but he'll be, as he was last year, probably one of the better backups in football that you can get if uh, he has to go elsewhere after this season. Did he do a uh, sign one-year deal? I think so. I believe so. it was a one-year deal. Let me actually look that up. Because something's telling me it's a two, it was a two-year deal. Mr. Bisky contract. As Nick looks that up, I'll bring up the, I think, probably the one of the best parts of the game, which was the George Pickens catch. Uh, it was like another Odell-style, oh, like, yeah. one-handed, like three-finger grab out of the air. And definitely... Was shades of Odell, if not uh, better uh, in some ways, but yeah, it was a, it was a, definitely a highlight. And when we go back through like highlight moments of the season, or when like uh, as a fan you go back through highlight moments of the season, I'm sure that will make the highlight reels. Oh yeah, for sure. That was one one of the lone highlights of that game. The Browns did some good stuff on offense uh, throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Like we said, Nick Chubb is pretty consistent right now. He had over 100 yards. He got in the end zone. He helped me win one of my parlays. I got a Chubb touchdown, got the Browns to cover, and I got the over on points, which we got at the very end of the game because this, the Steelers kicked a field goal, which set them over the edge, and then we got the touchdown uh, in the end zone anyway. Um, so I won some money from this game, in part thanks to Nick Chubb's big touchdown. Uh, so I've got Trubisky's deal up here. It's two years, $14 million, and... This year, his base salary and cap uh, his base salary is only over a million, and his cap hits three point six million. Next year, that base salary goes up to eight million, and the cap hit goes to ten and a half million. So, we'll see what they do with him, but that's a lot to pay a backup quarterback if that's what he ends up being. And uh, before we move on, I just wanted to break down the Steelers' schedule for the next five games. Oh yeah. So they have the Jets at home. Okay. But then they have on the road in Buffalo, at home against the Buccaneers on the road in Miami and on the road in Philly. That's a one and four schedule yeah, right there. That, that's a little tough. Yeah. Definite. I think the transition is going to happen during one of these weeks for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing like, nothing like your first game in the league being against Tom Brady. If that's how it ends up happening. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's not intimidating at all to him. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with them. Uh, they're not a particularly compelling team right now, but there is some stuff that could happen that could make them at least more interesting because you could at least start to evaluate the potential that they have because right now they seem dead in the water in terms of being a contender or anything even resembling that. Uh, so moving on, we will go to the Sunday Night Football game, which is one of our games, one of our teams played in this game. We had the Denver Broncos hosting the San Francisco 49ers. And the first note on the show notes here, as will be a theme, is pain and Jay, because this is your team, I'll let you take take it away here. Uh, it was a football game Allegedly. that happened. Uh, I mean, honestly, the teams, both teams looked pretty terrible on offense. Uh, the defense for both teams, you know, really stepped up, I think. And also, like, there was just not a lot of creativity from both Shanahan and Hackett in terms of offensive play calling. And they it, it was just a rough game uh, all, all around. I mean, I think I, uh, we can start on sort of the Broncos side of the football before I kind of just lose it with the 49ers. <laughs> but the Broncos just couldn't uh, couldn't get anything going until Russell Wilson does Russell Wilson things and drives down to the end of the, to the end zone and scores a touchdown late, like he using sort of his elusiveness. Um, definitely some of his strengths that he pulled out uh, right at the end to take the lead. Um, but I would say, like for the most for the majority of the game and basically outside of that one drive, the offense looked completely inept and Russell Wilson doesn't have much chemistry with any of his receivers. Doesn't, I don't think he has much chemistry with Hackett. I don't know if you can have chemistry with Hackett. Um, Hackett's decision-making also terrible, a lot of head scratchers. So uh, yeah, the Broncos out of the ball doesn't look good uh, yet. They're two and one. And I think still somehow in contention for the division on the other side of the ball, the 49ers look terrible on offense truly abysmal on offense jimmy g is exactly what we've seen him be for the last four years since his 5-0 run in 2017 ever since then it's been downhill from there and and jimmy g looks just generally awful um you know the the rest of the offense has a lot of star power in various places uh and then you lose your left tackle and there goes the whole offensive line i mean i think trent williams is the is a huge part of the offensive line and and now playing a backup left tackle rookies in your middle three spots or first year starters in those three spots. And then uh hit or miss Matt McGlinchey on the right side. It just sets up Jimmy Garoppolo to make quick throws, which he can't do accurately. He was throwing behind receivers. He threw his patented interception late <laughs> uh, and they just couldn't get anything going on offense. Shanahan couldn't scheme anything open. And when he did scheme things open, Jimmy missed the throws is just all like honestly just a real rough time and like to put up only 10 points in a game where you only give up nine points on offense and have uh genuinely one of the biggest blunders since uh orlovsky ran out the end zone himself like with jimmy stepping on the end zone the the back of the end zone while simultaneously throwing a pick six <laughs> that was like nuts it was, it was yeah that was the yeah, best case just, scenario for that play was him running out of the end zone <laughs> Yeah, it was just like uh, everything that could go wrong went wrong on offense. And the thing is that, like, in terms of defensive efficiency, they're one of the best teams on defense through three games. Like, they've given up, uh, what, nine points in the last two games, and they gave up, I think, 19 points in the first game. The defense is starting to pull together and looks really formidable. I mean, you have great players at safety uh, and at cornerback and then you have a solid front line with bosa so you know like it's the team can't you, like you can't ask more from your defense you can't ask more from your special teams i feel like 
there was a lot of punts in this game and both punters punted really well uh for those who like football pain and the punt coverage yeah and the punt coverage there was an spectacular punt coverage uh towards uh on one of the wishnowski 49ers punts where they managed to like do the jump from the one yard line throw it back into the field of play and then down it at the one and Two, two-thirds of the game on both sides of the ball looked pretty good, but the other one-third of the game on both sides of the ball, it was like, on both for both teams, just looked awful. Yeah, so I looked up the box score for this game just to get the exact number. We had 17 punts in this game. Jesus. <laughs> we had seven from the Niners and ten <laughs> from the Broncos. And, yeah, as you said, the punt coverage is really good. The special teams play was fantastic in this game. Um, the Broncos had zero touchbacks which was pretty impressive for 10 punts. And let's see, the Niners had two touchbacks. Yeah, two touchbacks out of 17 punts. That's good punt coverage. That's good punt placement. Like, we saw some great special teams play. The problem is that in a game like this, when that's your most exciting thing happening, it's being like, oh, the punt coverage. That's a big problem. And outside of, I will say, the opening drive for the Niners, as I recall, they were cooking. Like, they were looking like 2019 San Francisco moving the ball really well. And... Like, they were running it, they were passing it when they needed to, and they were doing it effectively. Um, I think Jimmy ended by throwing a touchdown to Ayuk, I want to say. And then it was all downhill for the Niners from there. Like, they had one good drive at the start. The Broncos had one good drive at the end. And because of the field goal and because of the unfortunate safety for the Niners, 11 points was just enough for the Broncos to win because the Niners only got 10. 11 to 10 was the final score of this game. It was ugly, ugly, ugly. As I predicted, I will take some. I will pat myself on the back, take some credit for predicting that this is going to be an ugly game last week. With the Niners offense, which, as I said, I think there is a bit more comfort with Jimmy in terms of how the players feel around him with him running the offense, but it still doesn't mean they're going to move the ball any better than they would have otherwise, and they'll have their struggles with it as they've had with him the past couple of years. Um, the Broncos, again, they pretty much had the same performance that they had last week against the Texans. They had nothing doing for 55 minutes, and then Russ had one good drive at the end to get the touchdown, and luckily for him, the one touchdown was all he needed. If he gets a game where his defense is not performing against a team with a high-powered offense, I think the Broncos are in for some serious struggles but as for now they're two and one somehow that's unbelievable so, to me good for them yeah they're the worst looking two and one team of all time yeah we have another contender for that uh elsewhere in the league right now and if those two teams were to ever play each other i think the universe would just combust yeah. but yeah it's early on in the season we will see how things go as of now my prediction to have the broncos in the playoffs over the raiders is looking okay so you know i'll pat myself on the back again through week three through basically a sixth of the season so we will see how things go, but the Broncos are looking inept, I believe was the word Jay said. Is That's absolutely correct. Outside of one drive, it's just ugly. Ugly is the word. Yeah, I have, I have a little bit of a theory of other than the fact that Hackett seems over his head, but um, I think Russ, he's a, he's a very good quarterback, but most of his great plays and his consistent movement of, the, of drives are not on-time throws. Like he takes time, lets the receivers get downfield, kind of lets the play break down. Um, and they're really trying to get these like on-time plays and he's just missing them right now. And I don't know if that will change with some chemistry at this point, but he's not scrambling like he usually does. He did it on the very last drive he did when he when they got the touchdown. He made some runs, he extended some plays, um, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen him even really try to do that very often. You know, like I said, on-time throws, make the Hackett, you know, designed play work. Um, and it's, it's not going right right now. So we'll see if that, if that continues, but, uh, it's, it's really ugly to watch. 
Yeah, I think um, our friend Elena, who's a Seahawks fan, I think they said he's never been the same since that ankle injury, which I think was yeah. last year. They got hurt, and I mean, uh, we were remarking earlier about he looks a little heavier than he used to. He's obviously getting older, and his mobility seems like it's just not anywhere close to what it used to be, because he improvised a couple times, like you said, on that last drive and did well, but I'm starting to get the feeling that he can't do that nearly as much as he yeah. used to. And that's and what worries me. I feel like he doesn't know what to do otherwise. Yep. Yeah, I mean, on the upside for the Niners, the defense looks good, and they play the Rams next week, and if I mean, if they can get a win, I think they're they're still in it. They started 3-5 and five last year and made it to the NFC title game, so it's not out of the realm of possibility for oh, them no. to hit their stride. Uh, and the, as long as the defense keeps playing well, I think we can keep ourselves in games, and it's a matter of winning the close games, which Jimmy does have a knack for doing if, if put in the right situation. So you mm-hmm. know, hopefully things turn around and uh, things look better next week. And if we can get a functional offense, I think this team is still set up for solid success. That's all I need, a functional, off- uh, functional offense. Easier said than done. Arcado, do you have anything to mention about the game? No, nothing really to add. This game, like I told you guys in the group chat, this game was a meme and it's best forgotten, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I, I hope I can forget it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think I will forget it because um, I'll if I ever think back on what, what was the worst game I watched this year. It'll be if another game is worse than this one. That has to be an all time bad game. Legitimately, it has to be one of the worst games that I've ever seen played. And if that happens, I'll be very sad. We'll be in even more pain than we are right now. Uh, our picks for this game. Did we all have the Niners? We did. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah did. And we, you mentioned our Thursday night picks, right? Yeah, yep. we all had the Browns except for Arcadio, who yep. had the Steelers. Mm-hmm. So pain for him and pain for all of us on the Sunday night game. So moving on to the Monday night game, which was the Giants hosting the Cowboys in the Meadowlands. It says pain mostly. I like the uh, like the qualifier there. This wasn't a terrible game. Uh, it was a little dull in parts, but I think it actually got kind of exciting in the fourth quarter. I, I had picked the Giants to win this one, and I put a little bit of money on them just to give myself a nice round number left in my MGM balance. Put a little bit of money on this one for the Giants to cover. The spread was only like one and a half points. And they did not end up winning this game. Cooper Rush led the Cowboys to his third win and three starts in his career, and I think all three have been game-winning drives in the fourth quarter. So he's got something. I'll say that. I think if he mm-hmm. keeps performing like this for however long he's still in, um, he might give, get himself a cushier gig next year and maybe even a starter job on a bad team. We'll see how things go for him. But he's doing well as the Cowboys started so far. Their offense looks way more comfortable than it did in that first game with Dak for whatever reason that is. Obviously, the Bucks' defense is generally pretty good could be that but the offense looks really comfortable under him he he's got poise in the right moments he doesn't make too many big mistakes and the Cowboys defense I think was actually the big story of this game the pass rush for the Cowboys insane between Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence they had I think they sacked Daniel Jones like seven times last night yeah and 21 or 24 quarterback pressures which was the most um for at least for Daniel Jones in his career I don't remember the exact Mm -hmm. stat as far as like NFL wise but um by far the most he's seen um, and he was just running for his life for most of that game. And I was actually kind of impressed with the decisions that he made most of the time when he was under pressure. Completely agree. Every time I see Daniel Jones play, I'm like, he's not that bad. Yeah. He, he makes mistakes in, at the worst times, but yeah. like, I've seen far worse starter stars in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't even say he's number 32 or anything. Yeah, they're, they're, they're quarterbacks worse than him. It's just, I don't think the Giants can put it all together. No, no, he's not the answer. He's not a solution for the team right now. He like needs that. a he needs so. a scheme. Like if he was in a Shanahan offense or something, like someone that I, can. Scheme. That's exactly what I was going right. to ask. So mm. I think he can run a scheme, um, but he can't be the guy to lead the team and make the plays. You know himself. Um, someone needs to be schemed to get open, break something big, and he can run. He can make some plays himself that way, but um, he's not going to make some big crazy throw or anything like that, or bit or like great reads. 
but he's he's okay. It was five sacks for the Cowboys, by the way. It felt like more because of how many pressures they had, like we mentioned. Uh, Demarcus mm-hmm. Lawrence had three, which was he was the standout on defense for sure for the Cowboys in this game. Yeah, so Cooper Rush, legit, uh, question mark in the notes, as we've mentioned. Uh, he's doing perfectly fine filling in for Dak so far. We heard before the game, um, they said that Dak, if he pushes it, could be back next week. I expect him, if he's going to be back, it'll be at least two weeks from now. I think he misses the next game, and but they may seem like he could realistically be back in two weeks. So they play the Rams in two weeks. They play the Commanders next week. The Rams two, in two weeks, and the Eagles in three weeks. So I think, if nothing else, they want him back for the Eagles game. I would have to guess. If Cooper Rush keeps playing like this, I don't think they need to rush him back. I think he should come back on the yeah. 30th. Because on the 20th. <laughs> on the 30th, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm curious here. If you see the previous game on the 23rd, uh, they play the Lions. Oh, okay, okay. So, gotcha. Detroit Lions, yeah. gotcha. Do you fear him more than you fear Cooper Rush right now? Um, Dak is definitely more dynamic. I think this mm-hmm. Lions team would have a harder time defending him. Uh, Cooper Rush, I think they'd be able to get in and get some pressure on and at least, you know, they seem to cover okay uh, for that, but um, Dak, I think, can make more plays. I'm more scared of him for this Lions defense specifically. Um, Okay, do you have anything else to mention about the game? Yeah, just uh, a couple of the really, like, horrendous calls by the officiating crew. I I don't know what was going on in this game. There was one, I think it was towards the end of the first half, where... Was it? It was either Sterling Shepard or Kenny Galladay that got called for offensive pass interference after getting like a big chunk play. Mm-hmm. And Shepherd. basically, what had happened was he was just running his route, and the defender ran into him, mm-hmm. and so they called that offensive pi, which I thought was just awful. Yeah. It it cost the Giants a field goal mm-hmm. at the end of the half, and yeah, yeah. It, it was. Didn't just bad. they miss a? Defensive pass interference for the, the yeah on the Giants. So Dallas was going down, and they, so that was I think their first field goal. Is that what it was? It was the first or second where they could have had a touchdown or they would have had, you know, the ball at the two because it, it would have been P.I. in the end zone um, mm-hmm. on third down. It might have been the second field goal. Yeah, it might have been. Um, but it was clear pass interference. He got mugged and they just didn't call anything. Yeah, we had a couple bad calls and a couple bad no calls. And yeah, this was, you know, I try and not take the side of the refs, but I think people can can go a little overboard with complaining about the refs, but I uh, don't have any problems with complaints about the refs in this one. Uh, com- Considering what I saw happen in those plays, I think again, if you play well enough throughout the whole game, little like penalties here and there shouldn't matter that much. But they add up and they they change the flow of the game, and they did that here. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, we have a note here saying that Saquon still looks good. He's having a decent start to his year. He's still healthy so far. He ran pretty well last night. He ran pretty well in week one mm-hmm. uh, or week two. I don't remember which game he had his huge game in, but yeah, he's having a good start to his year so far. Let's hope he can keep it going. Because there are some pieces on the Giants' offense that uh, they lost one of them with Sterling Shepard going down for the year near the end of the game, unfortunately. So the receiving core is pretty weak for them right now, but they've at least got Saquon for now. Let's hope they don't overwork him because I think that just leads to him getting hurt again, unfortunately. But yeah, like I saw potential in this Giants this Giants team, and I think uh, with Dable's coaching, as Arcadio likes to mention, that they could be something this year. I could see them maybe potentially sneaking into a playoff, a wild card spot. I don't expect this, though, to be clear. I mean, I think it would be a little bit tough to get into a wild card spot. But it's the it's NFC, not, man. And the NFC? I don't yeah, know. It could happen. It could happen. I could see it's it. It's possible, but I, I think they're going to fall our, fall off. I don't know. I don't see them being consistent enough to sneak in there. They're currently the seventh seed. I mean, currently. Currently, yeah. Realistically, I expect them to be like seven, seven and ten this season, probably. Um, but again, showing signs of potential. So let's hope they turn it around because they've been kind of hopeless for a while. Even in the last several years of Eli being there, they weren't showing really any 
any real signs of positivity, but yeah, let's see how we'll see how it goes for them. Uh, the NFC East, or at least the wild card in the NFC, might be a bit more competitive because the Cowboys are looking okay. We'll see how they look with Dak coming back. But yeah, this was not as irrelevant of a game as I thought it might be, I think, because both both teams showed a little something last night. Agreed. Yep. It was at least entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, it was more entertaining than the uh, previous night's game, mm-hmm. which which probably helped this game more by comparison. But um, yeah, not a, bad, not a bad Monday night game, all things considered. Although I did get some bad trauma flashbacks hearing Joe Buck call the Cowboys just because I heard that pretty much every single weekend Joe Buck would get the Cowboys games on Fox and they would always because I guess we're close enough to Dallas here in Kansas City they would always get aired on Fox for us moving on from the primetime games we'll go into some of the notable games of the weekend before we go into the rest of how our teams did so the first team we have on the list is Bills versus Dolphins which was I think the most intriguing matchup heading into the weekend and it lived up to that because we had a somewhat surprising result. The Dolphins ended up pulling this one out. Yeah, so it was a close game. Uh, it came down at the wire. Uh, Bills made a couple mistakes at the very end. Um, Josh Allen, I believe, missed a throw. And that ended up turning it over on downs, I believe. I'm trying to remember because Red Zone yeah, has such yeah. a barrage of stuff happening. Yes, that was the fourth down play, I think. Yeah, Yeah. towards the end of the game. Also, uh, there's just like poor execution down the stretch for what would have been a game-winning field goal had they been able to clock the ball with any amount of time left but um or at least a game-winning field goal attempt um, Mm -hmm. but didn't that just didn't happen um i'm not i don't know if i'm ready to anoint the dolphins as for real but i it's definitely a really big step in in the right direction and they are they're more real than i thought they were going to be going into the season i think it's good to see mike mcdaniel succeed especially you know in light of how the niners offense is looking like I'm, i'm happy for mike mcdaniel Dolphins have something. I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting division to follow for the rest of the season um, to see how it shakes out between the Bills and Dolphins. And their next matchup, I'm sure, is going to be equally as entertaining. This one is is a bizarre one when you look at the stat sheet because if you just look at the stats, the Bills should have won this game about 42 to 21. Um, Mm -hmm. They had 31 first downs compared to 15. Total yards, 497 to 212. So... Buffalo shot themselves in the foot and just didn't finish drives. But I think Buffalo is clearly the better, better team in Miami. Just they played well. They had some nice defensive stands and obviously they did enough to win the game. But even time of possession was doubled, more than doubled by Buffalo. So very bizarre stat line for a game that ended 21 to 19. Buffalo only scoring mm-hmm. 19 points with, with that is, is insane. So Miami's good, but I think that it was kind of a fluky game. Yeah, fluky yeah, might be a little strong, but I not I fluky think I agree with overall. between these two teams. I think Miami's still good. I think they're yes. going to be a playoff team, but I think the Bills are still right now kind of the number one powerhouse in the league. Yeah, I was going to say I I think uh, Tua might he got a little shaken up during this game, didn't he? he did. Yeah, and that that yeah. was a controversy because of him coming back. Um, so that's kind of being questioned right now because he got up, he got sacked, he kind of whiplashed his head, back of the head to the turf or to the grass there actually, and then um, got up, stumbled, started walking and fell into the arms of his lineman, so stumbled again, uh, and then had to get helped off the field. And then that was with like two or three minutes left in the half, and he'd started the next half um, after being evaluated. So that's kind of being looked at right now. Yeah, and didn't they call it a back injury they did, at the which time? which is weird. It could yeah, be a nerve. Did. But I mean, he his head, the back of his head hit the ground. So I, I don't yeah. really believe that. Yeah, he was seeing stars. Yeah, it's some NFL high low tide all the concussions yeah. nonsense. But he'll probably play next weekend, barring probably. anything happening with this investigation, which I think will probably take a couple weeks anyway for them to actually mm-hmm. conclude. 
What's going on? Thursday. If they rule him into real concussion protocol, he's out for a week, right? I think that's. Uh, the, I mean, you know, he can pass it at any time. They just evaluate him, and if he passes it at any point, then he's good. Like not not to put on the tinfoil hat or anything, but I wonder if if there was any consideration to the fact that they're playing this Thursday, right? To where oh, if we put him in the concussion protocol, he's not going to pass. He there there's no way he he passes by Thursday, right? Mm. Right. Yeah. So I'm 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 just thinking aloud. I don't know. I I'm sure they handled it the right way. I hope they did. I hope so. Yeah. I don't want to get too tinfoil hatty, especially because like I could see him maybe injuring his back on that play, but the way he crumpled, like the way he was collapsing to the ground when he was running off, was definitely like he was woozy if nothing. And else. shaking his head, which is a, usually a sign of a concussion, because yeah. you just you're you're kind of feeling that you're out of it, and you're just like, what what is this feeling? So I I. Mm-hmm. He, I think he was feeling concussion symptoms. Whether he was able to pass it at halftime is questionable, but, I mean, if he did, he did. Yeah, yeah. so we'll see how it goes. I don't expect him to miss any time. I expect him to play on Thursday, but honestly, Teddy Bridgewater is probably one of the stronger uh, backups in the league because yep. he's been a decent-ish starter throughout his career. I think they would probably be okay with him. It might turn the tide of the game a little bit more in the Bengals' favor who they play on Thursday, but if they had to play the backup, you could do a lot worse than Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. I agree. Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel. <laughs> the <laughs> finesse king. Chase Daniel. Um, yeah, so a surprising result, I think, somewhat. Uh, I still think, as I think we can all agree, the Bills are still the better team overall. We will see how the season progresses, but I still think, I am still have faith in the Bills. This is not a sign of them regressing or anything. Uh, they had bad games last year. They had that, what, 6-3 to three loss to Jacksonville last year? Yeah, that was oh, brutal. Yeah, no, they have random games. Yeah. I forgot about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah. As we as we will discuss, any team can again any given Sunday is the motto. Any team yeah. can lose to any team. I think it was nine to six time. or something because I posted to that game, but yeah. still yeah, it was, I think it was nine brutal. Six. All field goals. Sorry that I reminded Arcadia of that. It sounds like it brought back some trauma, but uh, yeah. Moving on from that game, we will go into a far less intriguing matchup. As we mentioned in the close games here, the Texans versus the Bears. The only <laughs> note is that bad teams make for good games. Uh, yeah, the Chicago, the Chicago Bears still can't throw the ball, or they still are choosing not to throw the ball. But they ended up winning this one, and they are 2-1, and one, which, as I mentioned earlier, as I alluded to, if they played the Broncos, I don't know what the hell would happen. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. And I believe a, a notable part of this game was David Montgomery going out very yeah. early on. Yeah. And then Khalil, Khalil Herbert, Herbert, the backup, playing just well. completely ran over the Texans. Yep. Yep. Two, yep. Uh, 20 carries for 157 yards and two touchdowns. And 52, uh, a 52-yard run to go along with that, yeah. Yep. Yeah, long, his long, long two yards. Yeah, yeah. So it sucks for me and my fantasy team because Montgomery was the second running back that I took, and he got taken out pretty early. I think it was like still in the first quarter when he got taken out. So he got me like one point. He had three carries for eleven yards. Yeah, I, I have him in another yeah. league, and I was and I lost in that league for multiple reasons. That being one of them. Yeah, my running back situation is not great, and one of my one of my few running backs, uh, like my my, my number my, my running back number two going out in the first quarter is also not great. So. Yeah, we'll get into fantasy a little bit more as we go, but yeah, I think the uh, the Bears passing game is still the big story and obviously what's going to hold them back. Fields was 8 for 17 for 106 yards, two interceptions, and a 27, or, sorry, a 19.4 QBR, and he got sacked five Zero. times and got pressured 24 Single times. completions. And they won the game. Mm-hmm. And they won the game. Insane. And they scored 23 because Khalil Herbert was running all over the Texans. That's the only reason. 
I think Cordell Patterson has more rushing yards than Fields does passing yards on the season, which is kind of bizarre. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, my best – I was going to mention, my best friend uh, texted me earlier, and he said, do you want to know how many completions the Bears have this season? Do you want to guess how many completed passes Justin Fields has this year? 20-ish. I'm going to take the over. I'll go 24. Yeah, it's somewhere in that range, 23. Jay? Yeah. Uh, I'll go uh, 27. It's 23. <laughs> oh, the number I just said. Yeah. He, he's had two games where he was 8 for 17, and then last week against the Packers, which was his best game, he was 7 for 11 for 70 yards. Yeah, and it's not like he's rushing crazy numbers either. Like, he's running no. the ball, but he had eight rushes for 47 yards. Like, a, a total of 150-whatever yards for a, for a game is nothing for a quarterback. Yeah, and yet they won, and yet they're still— I mean, the Packers ran away at the very end of that game, but the Bears are still kind of competitive in, like, all their games. So we'll see what happens. Well, the they're Texans, only going to win one hopeless. more the rest of the season, according to me. Yeah, yeah, to, because <laughs> you can't be wrong. You couldn't possibly no, be wrong in your prediction about how the Bears were going to do. It means that the Lions are going to beat them twice, so, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll see what happens when the Bears play the Lions. Who do the Bears have next week? They have got the Giants. They have the Giants. A matchup of two and ones. The Giants, Vikings, Commanders, Patriots, Cowboys are their next They can beat the Commanders. I mean, I could see them honestly beating any of those teams, given the right circumstances, but I will expect them to win maybe one or two. I think the Vikings are going to kill them. Yeah, we'll see. We will see how the Vikings do. Yeah, Uh, yeah, the Texans, still hopeless, If in case you're wondering. Um, Davis Mills is kind of okay, but the team has no hope whatsoever. They'll be a top five draft pick, probably. Yeah, kind of friend of the family, Davis Mills. (laughs) Yes, you mentioned that. Yeah, very odd. One of two winless teams in the NFL. Yes, but not the worst team in the league, because they do have a tie. No. They, they have, have a tie. tie. They have a tie. They are they are second in the draft pick standings as hey. at the moment. All mm-hmm. right, moving on to another close game, a game that I generally have like nothing to say about because I wasn't really f- able to follow it at all. Was the Panthers versus Saints here in our show notes? Uh, let's see what happened in this game because I have no um, idea. Baker played terribly. Still shocked. Twelve for twenty five for 170, 170 yards and a touchdown. Um, but McCaffrey ran well and they had a defensive touchdown. Mm. And their defense played well and held New Orleans to 14 points. So it, it was okay. Winston yeah. had a Winston game. He threw 41 times, 353 yards with a touchdown, but two picks. So I was, um, I was literally, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that's yeah. a Winston game right there. Yeah. Olave looks good. That's the, that's news. Yeah. No, I was saying, yeah, yeah. Chris Olave mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. lit it up. He, he looks fast. He's real yep. fast. Yeah, I claim I claimed him in one of my other leagues, which has a more traditional waiver order. So I might, because I'm uh, second to last in the league, I'll probably get him unless the person below me uh, also tried to pick him up. So we will see. But yeah, Chris Olave is doing really well. And Michael Thomas is out again, I believe, for a little while. So Olave will get more touches in the interim, especially if the Saints have to play from behind, which it seems like they're having to do a lot. So we will see how it goes for the Saints and the Panthers, I still think. Moving on, transitioning to our next game. I still think, despite how they've looked in these first three games, I still think that division is the Bucks to lose for sure. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks will get it together somewhat on offense. I think it's still going to be more of a struggle than most than like the last couple of years. But their defense is good. They're they're the most put together team in that division by far. Oh, by far. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Buck the Bucks receiving core just needs to get healthy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. they get one of them back next week just from suspension. Yep. So yeah, it wasn't Godwin. a health issue for my Evans. But even yeah, so, yeah, they need so. Godwin back, and they need. Someone stronger at tight end. Yep. Because Cameron Bray and Kyle Rudolph are not cutting it as far as that goes. Yeah, when, um, when are they calling Gronk? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they've called him already. I'm sure they have called him. Uh-huh. I would, I sort of got the vibe that Tom did not expect Gronk to retire after Tom no, came back. Definitely yeah, not. Definitely did not. But yeah, 
I mean, we will see how it goes. Obviously, I think Tom is off, and I think part of it's just something about the whole team being off, and I'm sure, like, we've talked about his off-field stuff is probably a bit of a distraction, but again, he doesn't really have anybody good to throw to. They they brought Cole Beasley in, as we mentioned last week. He didn't do too much. I honestly don't know who he threw to. Mostly to, I, I looked this up before. Uh, so Russell, yeah, Gage. Russell Gage. So he yeah, had a good game. Jay had on <clears> his bench, right? Yeah. 12 catches for 87 yeah. yards. And then and Bray- That's a pretty good fantasy performance. Yeah, it's uh, 20 points. Yeah, and Bray, the tight end, and then other than that, you know, not much. That's actually yeah. 26 points, Jay, because yeah. he had a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I think it was like 25 points or 24 points, mm-hmm. which would have won me my fantasy matchup. But <laughs> Well, I'm sorry for giving you bad advice, yeah. Jay. The best uh, performance statistically that Tom has had this year, and he still got defeated by the Packers, who are looking okay. Rodgers had like a, a Rodgers game. He threw a pick, which he was not happy about, but... Yeah, this is, uh, I feel like, in line with kind of action that we'll see from both teams this year. I don't think either of them are as sharp as they were a year or especially two years ago, but I still think they're probably the top two teams to beat in the NFC for now, except maybe the Eagles. Yeah. I'd say the Eagles over the Packers. Right now, yes. Yeah. yeah the Packers. It's just Eagles always like, it's, when it gets to postseason, it's always like the the incumbent quarterbacks mm-hmm. I still think I'll take I'll take in matchups like that. Maybe Rodgers not so much, but especially Brady. I'm not picking against him in the playoffs as long as he's still playing. No, the Eagles still have something to prove in the playoffs for sure, but they look mm-hmm. very explosive on offense at least, yes. and their defense is and their been, defense is legit. Yeah, I mean the Lions put up a lot of points against them, but other than that, they've been real good. Yeah, they sacked Carson Wentz like nine times <laughs> in this past game, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Commanders are bad. Yeah, <laughs> and mean, their offense, their offensive too. line is terrible. I mean. Hutchinson's oh, yeah. only good game was against them, really. I mean, he he played okay last game and, and got some pressures, but, you know, three sacks on, on Wentz now looks like, eh, you know, kind of standard for the commanders at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so the yeah. Packers won this game 14-12. to The Bucks almost came back with a two-point, uh, I believe they got two uh, field goals, so they were down 14-6. to They got a touchdown late, but they missed the two-point conversion, which there was some controversy about, I believe. But the Packers Yeah, goal, have, you, uh, have you all heard about this? The the fact that Aaron Rodgers says that the store, scoreboard gave away the two point it wasn't the two play. point conversion play. He actually clarified that because I listened to to him talk on the McAfee show, but he was actually talking about plays before that. Um, oh, okay. But because uh, the question, the, basically, the question, the context got kind of misconstrued on Twitter and stuff. But yeah, he saw something on the jumbotron that gave away some play and formation that he told the, the coach, you know, about and like helped them in some way but it wasn't like right before that two-point play or anything like that okay yeah i just remember there being some controversy i didn't hear any of the detail necessarily but yeah the packers pulled this one out i think a bright spot for them was romeo dobbs at wide receiver he put in some good work they're uh i believe their fourth round rookie um he might he might be who they end up leaning on as their top wide receiver if he keeps playing like he's been playing um, he had a pretty good performance here. The best performance of any of the Packers receivers. But yeah, we'll see how things go for them. Again, I still think these two teams are probably going to get better as the season goes, especially the Bucks as the receivers come back and as they get healthier. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. Again, this was not the prettiest matchup, uh, not the best matchup we've seen between these two quarterbacks, especially. But yeah, I still think when push comes to shove, these, these two teams are still going to be two of the top teams in the NFC for sure. One thing I wanted to mention was uh, Bakhtiari, who I don't know if I heard about this beforehand, but they have him on a snap count right now for the Packers. I believe he's like alternating series with his backup for at least the time being until he gets back all the way. Yeah, I think uh, Bakhtiari was injured for a long time and then he's finally starting to get back into playing shape. And so I don't think he has the full stamina to go 
the whole game, so they have to rotate him still. Yeah, that was the Bucks versus the Packers. It was a close matchup. It was obviously a marquee matchup between two very, like, very highly regarded, obviously legendary quarterbacks, but was not the best showing for either of them. Uh, so moving on, we will move on from the newsworthy and close games of the weekend to our games, which will be right back to all the pain. So yeah. normally I would go in order of when these games happened, but the only person who had a later game was Jay. We've already gone to that game. So all these games were in the first slate of games throughout the uh, throughout uh, Sunday, which meant that the rest of the day was absolutely miserable for all of us, except for Jay, who had to wait until Sunday night to be miserable. So we will start over there with Bobby in Michigan. Tell us about the Detroit Lions facing the Minnesota Vikings. So I have to start by going into this saying that I expected the Lions to lose this game, which made it, mm-hmm. you know, at least somewhat better that they actually did end up losing. But the Lions came out and impressed me on the road. Uh, they played well. They were up two scores multiple times. Um, their defense, as I said multiple times during the pod so far, is it has just a lot of holes, um, and that let them down. So they can play well at times, and they can get pressure, but their secondary is beat up, and it's not very good. We lost Tracy Walker for the year with a torn Achilles, and he's probably our best player in the secondary, if not maybe our second best. Um, so that's going to be tough going at, going forward. But um, up 14 nothing early, Goff looked good. Uh, and then we let him score, you know, 14 unanswered points to tie it at half. And then second half started, we started playing well again, running the ball. Uh, missed a couple big plays, but we still were able to score, get up by 10. So 24-10, or 24-14, to 14, and then we, you know, Got to the point where, uh, you know, St. Brown was kind of injured and beat up. Swift is hurt, and he's going to miss maybe a week or two with a shoulder injury. Um, so we were kind of, you know, making some tough plays, getting through it, but not really scoring at that point. Had multiple times that we could have shut the game, put the game away on offense uh, if we just got one first down, and we just couldn't do it. Went for it on fourth, you know, multiple times in the game, and we're, and we're converting early, and we just didn't late. Uh, and then the big play that was that's been being talked about on Detroit radio for the past week has for this like ever since Sunday was um, near the at the end of the game our last drive uh, fourth and four it was either going to be a fifty four yard field goal go for it or punt uh, we took a timeout to make the decision we we tried the offense back out there and apparently changed our mind because then we ran the field goal unit out there with Siebert and he has never kicked a fifty four yard field goal. Uh, in his NFL career and missed it very badly. I think either the right play was to either go for it at that point because we had been doing well and tried to just put the game away or punt and try to pin him down, you know, inside the 20 somewhere because uh, at that point we were up three. We gave him great field position to go down um, and they were just able to... They We shut down Jefferson for most of the game, but they were picking on Oarie, one of our corners with Thielen. He got a ton of penalties and then the very last drive, they just threw it to KJ Osborne constantly, which we were not really looking for. Um, had a defensive breakdown in the last play, and ended up losing twenty-eight to twenty-four on a you know walk-off, essentially wide-open touchdown. And then Goff threw a pick on the last, like desperation pick on the last drive. But you know what? It it was a it was a heartbreaking loss. But I've seen it a million times, and we actually played way better than I would have expected on the road against a team that I think could compete for the division with the Vikings. So really, really tough loss. We could be two and one and be sitting tied for the division lead at this point, but we're not, and we're still a young team trying to learn. So, you know what, as long as we learn from it and play, you know, make better decisions next time, I'm, I'm okay with it, but you know, definitely the most heartbreaking loss of the season so far out of the two. Um, and hopefully there's not many more, but 
I do like to see the improvement at this point. So it's, I'm not super depressed about it, but it was another Lions loss like I've seen a million of them before. The one note I was going to mention was that Justin Jefferson was, like, as you mentioned, he was shut down. Okuda um, was shut down more, yeah. more than he was the previous week. Okuda's played really well this year, and he needs to because he was our, you know, three overall draft pick uh, a couple yeah. years ago, and he tore his Achilles last year, but he played terribly his rookie year and was kind of getting reamed before he got hurt last year. So uh, really happy with how he's playing. If he continues to do that then and we have a shutdown corner, then that's a huge bonus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes for Jefferson because he had that monster first game, and obviously he's one of the best wideouts in the league. But he's not done too great these last couple weeks. Our friend Elena, once again, they're not happy with his performance so far this season, uh, barring the first game of the year. So we'll see if he. Tr- I'm sure he will turn it around at least to a degree, as the Vikings, I'm sure, will be a contender for uh, for the playoffs throughout this season. But although, as I think we'll discover as we transition to the next game, which is the Titans versus the Raiders, I think Bobby had the least painful loss of this entire weekend. I think Somehow. by a considerable margin. So, uh, Arcadia, would you like to discuss the Titans hosting the Raiders in Week 3? I mean, would I like to? <laughs> yeah, that's, that, a, bad, that's, that's a bad way strongly, to phrase it. <laughs> but, uh, no, like, the, the way the game started out, it definitely seemed like the Raiders were feeling the effects of last week's game, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They, they allowed a touchdown on three straight drives to start the game, and... All of them were like long 10 play seven minute drives and the Titans just controlled the ball like forever. And um, yeah, I, at this point, I just don't think that it's a very well coached team. They make these little mistakes here and there that they don't seem big at the time, but then you think back and at the end and they just really all add up. Um, Darren Waller in particular, he had probably the worst game I've ever seen him have. He, uh, he dropped a touchdown early. I think it was the first offensive series of the game where they had to settle for a field goal, and of course that ended up making a difference. Um, he dropped a wide open, what would have been like a 75-yard touchdown, just would have trotted into the end zone. There was nobody behind him. But uh, that, that one was a little more on Derek. I think Derek could have thrown a better ball. But there was that, and then the big dagger at the end where they were in the red zone and Derek threads a little needle to Waller and it it just goes right off of Waller's hands and into the the defenders and yeah so they turned the ball over there but then they also they had a turnover before that in the second half where they had the ball at the Titans 30 and then they went backwards 10 yards and didn't get any points so again just these little things like you do one of those things right you win the game I guess a bright spot of this game was a Mac, the Mac Hollins game of his life. He had a couple of really big catches, especially one. Uh, there was like a fourth and 15 that the Raiders had to convert. And he, he caught a nice little pass on the sideline. And of course, what could have been the game tying touchdown. But of course, they didn't get the two point conversion. So they lost 24-22. The, the defense did tighten up in the second half. I don't think they allowed any points in the second half. They just don't seem to be getting a whole lot of pressure. Like I said, not doing any of the little things right. And they've got the Broncos next week and the Chiefs the week after that. So I, I don't know. They This could very easily be an 0-5 team after five weeks. I'm starting to accept it. For a team that had a lot of expectations going in, like mm-hmm. to, to kind of crumble like this early on. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility to recover. But I mean, it, it, every week that you don't 
even make the strides to look like you're getting to become a more cohesive team, it becomes worse. Uh, and the fact that Foster Moreau and Mac Collins had significantly more yards than Devontae Adams makes me start to scratch my head a little bit. Honestly, I might still pick the Raiders over the Broncos. I know I shouldn't pick, I sh- just shouldn't pick against the Broncos because they're going to somehow win these games for whatever reason it feels like. But the Raiders are favored in the odds right now. The ESPN matchup predictor has them as 57.8% likely to win the game. We will see. Um, on paper, I still feel like the Raiders are a better team than the Broncos, but the Broncos are winning somehow. Yeah, so we will see. But I don't think I don't think I would write that off as a loss for the Raiders. I wouldn't either. On paper, the way the team is structured, I feel like they should win this game. But again, the Broncos are inexplicably winning and the Raiders are somewhat inexplicably losing. So we'll see how things go. But yeah, I don't think that's a. I'm not, I'm not going to pencil in as an L for the Raiders just yet, but we will see. Now, the Chiefs in week five mm-hmm. on Monday night, I think I'll probably pencil it in as an L for the Raiders, to be honest with you, because Patrick Mahomes has the Raiders number. But we'll get to that when we get All to right. that. That's a couple weeks away. All right. Historically, <laughs> he has the Raiders number, does he not? I mean, I do remember a week five two years ago where the Raiders oh. went to Kansas City. What a legendary game yeah. that was. Mm-hmm. The only real loss of that season for the Chiefs in the regular season? A humongous loss by the Chiefs. Still got the one seed. Still went to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. But they did get spanked, though. I mean, they did. It's better to go to the Super Bowl than not. I'm just saying. Mm. (laughs) I don't know. That's a lot of pain over here. Yeah, but the pain of never getting there is a little worse, I think. Okay, okay. Tell me about it. That's enough shit talk. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry, Bobby. You've got it worse than we do. All right, so moving on to the last game of our teams, which is my game, folks. It's the Chiefs. They went to Indianapolis. They visited the Indianapolis Colts. On paper, it seemed like an easy Chiefs W. The odds opened surprisingly low. The spread was only, I think, five and a half points for the Chiefs to win by. So, of course, I took that. I think, Bobby, you took that. I did. Uh, A lot of people took that. It seemed like, oh, wow, that's going to be some easy money. And it was not easy money for the Chiefs. In fact, it was no money at all if you had money on the Chiefs, even on the money line, even if you didn't have the spread. Because the Chiefs ended up taking a fat L in this game to the Indianapolis Colts, which... I understand why it happened. still doesn't make me any less angry that that it happened. Because as soon as I saw how this game began, which is the Chiefs defense forcing a three and out, because the Colts offense didn't do anything in this game until their final drive. They got billed out because they had a three and out on their very first drive, and they punted it, and then Chiefs rookie Sky Moore muffed the punt. The Colts recovered it at like their own 14, or at the Chiefs 14-yard line. And so they scored a touchdown on their first drive of the game, and that shifted the momentum toward them. Then the Chiefs came back, they scored a touchdown in the first quarter. They missed the extra point. Another special teams miscue by their filling kicker, Matt Amendola. Uh, they ended up getting that point back in the second quarter when they got their second touchdown with a questionable uh, two-point conversion call. Uh, I mean, it worked out in our favor, so I'm not going to complain too much about it, but I don't know if I would have said that call stood personally. But anyway, the Chiefs were up 14-10 to 10 at half. It seemed like once they took the lead back that they would be in command the rest of the game. And the third quarter was a wash, score-wise. The Chiefs' offense was not doing too much, but they were doing enough to keep the lead over the Colts, who were also not doing anything on offense. But otherwise, the Colts were not doing anything. After that first touchdown in the beginning of the game, they did nothing. Sort of like the Russell Wilson pattern, um, because that drive was supposed to be three and out. Uh, they didn't do anything until the very end of the game. So we get to the fourth quarter, and the Chiefs make some more questionable calls on special teams. They went for it. Uh, they faked a, uh, I believe they faked either a field goal or a punt. I think it was a field goal attempt. They faked it and they totally missed, totally messed it up, and that allowed the Colts an opportunity. And then later on in the game, the Chiefs had command. They still had the lead, and with about five minutes left, they got a huge sack on third and long to make it fourth and long. 
And then Chris Jones said something. We don't know what he said, I think, still. But he said something that made them call an unsportsmanlike conduct, which is 15-yard penalty, automatic first down, all that for the Colts, with five minutes left in the game. And as soon as this happened, I knew it was going to happen. I just knew how this game was going to end, and it went out exactly as I thought it would. The Colts took all the time off the rest of the clock. They drove it down the field, slowly, meticulously, and then let's see the game cast here. With 24 seconds left in the fourth quarter, the Colts finally got back into the end zone to take the lead, which was 20-17, to and Mahomes had 24 seconds to work some magic. The Chiefs started to work it up the field, and then they threw an interception to end the game, and the Colts took the knee, and they won the game. So the Colts win 20-17. to They are 1-1-1 one and one and one right now, which is a an interesting uh, win-loss tie record to look at. The Chiefs dropped a 2-1. They got bailed out by the fact that the Chargers lost uh, later on in the day. Uh, but the Broncos are right there with the Chiefs right now. Obviously, as I said earlier, we're, we're barely a sixth into the season. So there's a lot of season left, but the Chiefs with their schedule don't really have a lot of losses that they can just take. Um, this might be one of the better ones to take because this is not a head-to-head matchup for them uh, against a playoff team, more than likely. We will see how the season goes. But, you know, it's not a loss against the you know the powerhouses in the AFC. But they don't really have that many losses that they can afford to take, and this one was a particularly frustrating one because they didn't really have things going very well on either, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, I should say. The defense is doing their job. They allowed basically nothing except some field goals for most of the game. But, yeah, the offense was just not cooking at the level that they, you know, they would usually be expected to. And the running game especially was doing absolutely nothing. Mahomes was the leading rusher with 26 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had the most bizarre fantasy stat line I've ever seen. He had 14.9 points, and that's with zero rushing yards in the game. He had a rushing touchdown, but he had zero yards overall. And then he got five catches for 39 yards to get him to basically 15 points in fantasy. Yeah, the Chiefs were doing nothing on the ground. Uh, you know, Kelsey had his touchdown early. He got the two-point conversion. He did well for me in fantasy, but the Chiefs are just like this sometimes. I feel like a lot of times they play down. They play up or down to the level of the team that they're playing, and they keep things more competitive than they need to be when they're good enough at their best to step on the throat of any team that they play. And this was not one of the games where they did that. They let the Colts hang with them too much. They made constant mistakes, missed extra point, missed field goal late in the game, uh, the fake punt that didn't go their way, the, the muff punt. All these things went against them, and it's a lot of special teams miscues, but again, sort of like bad officiating, your offense and your defense should do enough throughout the game so that things like that shouldn't matter in the, in the grand scheme of things, but they did, and then that unsportsmanlike conduct call at the very end of the game just sapped any chance that the Chiefs had. Like, it sapped all their momentum. They were on the road, so that put life back into the stadium at Lucas Oil, and the Colts took, rode that wave of momentum all the way to the very end of the game when they took the lead. So it was a, an extremely frustrating game to watch, but I sort of got the vibe as soon as that muff punt happened two minutes into the game that this was the kind of game we were going to get, and it was. So pain is the yeah. last thing that I have to say about that. Oh, actually, hold on. One more thing. Jay has put uh, into the chat here something that I will take no pleasure in reading out. So someone said the Skymore muff point minus seven points, the missed field goal minus three points, the fake field goal minus three points, and the Chris Jones penalty minus seven points. So you can, uh, the, the top three are the uh, special teams miscues. That's 13 points right there from the Colts. And then the uh, Chris Jones penalty was their other seven. So 13 points, a 13 point swing came from all those special teams errors that we had throughout the game. And the Colts were doing nothing without those errors and then without the penalty at the end. So you can directly point at, at each major mistake as to what actually caused this game to go the way that it did. And the Chiefs offense could have done a little bit more to, you know, make up for these mistakes, but they didn't. So pain. There we go. Yeah. 
And you mentioned Edwards Lair. I just have to mention a, a uh, play that's been all over Twitter lately um, in that game where he kind of had a like a zone read out of a shotgun run and a massive hole opened up in the in the middle. And he hesitated and went to the right for no reason particularly and just got bottled up. But um, he does not look very great as a just kind of inside runner. Um, and as you mentioned before, like they should definitely use him more of a pass catcher um, mm-hmm. and maybe some outside runs or something, but he is not really an up the middle runner at all. And he, and he doesn't, doesn't yeah. make great decisions. Yeah. And they do like, they've been doing running back by committee for these past two seasons, including this one with the other running backs that they have. So, um, Jarek McKinnon and, uh, Pacheco, he's not getting all the touches on offense. Uh, McKinnon got the bulk of the carries. Uh, I guess he and Ed- Edward Solaire both had seven carries, but again, you're, you have a running back maxing out at seven carries. They clearly, and it's Andy Reid, so of course he doesn't want to do anything on the ground. He's never has, especially in the Holmes era. But yeah, it's just frustrating because like you've got talented players everywhere on this offense, and I feel like none of them are getting used to their potential, except for Travis Kelsey, who we know exactly how good he is. We've known it for a decade now. But all the rest of these players, I just see as underutilized. I think I've t- I've told you guys repeatedly, like I would never take a Chiefs receiver in fantasy at this point with Tyreek Hill gone, because I feel like it's just going to be one guy that maybe steps up in any given week. And it's not going to be anyone giving you consistent output because I feel like they don't really account for anybody majorly in the offense other than Kelsey now, which is obnoxious to watch because they have a ton of weapons on this offense and they're not using it, almost any of them to their full potential. Yeah, that was a bummer. Like I said, you know, if, if there was a team to lose to, the Colts are not looking to the level of the other playoff teams at this point in the season. So hopefully that loss doesn't hurt them too badly. Hopefully they can recover. They have the Bucks this weekend, which we will get into uh, in our preview in a little bit. But this is a game they easily should have won, and instead we're two and one now when we should be three now. Moving on to one last team that we want to discuss in the surprising team section of our notes, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are continuing to impress this season. The Jags beat the I keep wanting to call them the San Diego Chargers to this day. They beat the Los Angeles Chargers. They still should be. Who, yes, who have a wounded Justin Herbert. They ended up playing him at quarterback. They announced pregame, or at least in the stadium when they were running through things in rehearsal, they said Chase Daniel was the starter. Uh, but Herbert, Herbert was active. He started the game for him. And I wonder if they regret the decision now considering how this game went because this was a massacre by the Jaguars. I was shocked by this game. I, I think I put in the group text that even with Hurtbert, as I called him, um, yes. it was probably the biggest shock of the week with them just getting rolled. Trevor Lawrence looks legit. He looks way better than he did under uh, Urban Meyer last year. James Robinson is showing that he's still their number one back, even with ETN. Um, and their receiving core is, is it's definitely good. It, you know, they have Cameron Kirk, who they signed, and they have uh, Zay Jones, who I kind of wanted the Lions to sign, sign in the offseason. He's kind of that, an underrated uh, receiver, in my opinion, but and Marvin Jones. So I think they're a really good team. Not really good, but they're they're a much better team than anyone would have expected coming into the year. Um, and they're mm-hmm. kind of a team to watch to get into that like wild card contention, I think. I think they could even win their division. They could. I was about to say, with the way that division's going, the Titans don't look like a powerhouse. Uh, I mean, the Texans obviously don't look like a powerhouse. The Colts are kind of an unknown right now. Their record is not terrible at the moment, but yeah, I still think that that's kind of a wide open division. I mean, they're leading it. Yeah. At the moment, I say wild card just because they're unproven at this point, and I think yeah. the Colts will put it together. They're kind of the team I'm looking at in that division. Um, Colts, mm-hmm. and then obviously the Titans, who won it last year, they could definitely put it together and have a, a, an okay season. So um, I'm not saying this division is super weak, even though it kind of looks like it going into the early on part of the season. But um, 
I think that the that the Jaguars make this division a lot tougher than people assumed it would be. Yeah, it's more interesting than it seemed to be at the start of the year, especially with a third team that could contend in the Jaguars, like we mentioned. So, yeah, we will see how the season goes for them. Uh, one and two is not the ideal start for the Chargers. I think they'll, you know, it's the Chargers. I never, I never know what they're going to do. I never know how it'll turn out. Um, they somehow missed the playoffs last year, as Arcadio knows very well. Obviously, the whole season's a wait and see for every team, but. It's not a slam dunk for the Chargers to make the playoffs even at this point. So, I mean, who knows? It depends on how quickly Herbert's actually fully recovered. In the plays that I saw in red zone, he didn't look terrible, but it's still, I mean, he's still obviously out of sorts and he can't play to his full potential right now. And they've got Houston next week. Which they should win even with a, a wounded Justin Herbert. Do they have Keenan Allen back next week? Uh, supposedly. Uh, he should yeah. be back. He should okay. be back. Yeah, so that'll help. Hopefully they get Austin Eckler more involved because I have I have him in fantasy and he hasn't done too much for me. He's been okay, but not good enough. Yeah, he's definitely been one of the early disappointments. I have him in our league. Yeah. Okay. So I think that will do it for first down. Uh, we recap most of the uh, most of the games this week. I think all the other ones we'll probably get into a little bit as we discuss fantasy performances. But we move on to second down, which is the news recap. So. We have, starting out, we have a handful of injuries that happened. Number one, as Jay mentioned earlier, was the left tackle for the Niners, Trent Williams. Um, is he out for the year? Did, did they say that yet? Uh, he's four to six weeks with a high okay. ankle sprain. Okay, that's but right. Yeah, people are saying it sprain. might be a little bit longer. Um, they ha- they're not putting him on, on IR yet, so um, he's probably still going to come back this season and hopefully in time for a late pay- playoff push. We'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, so that's Trent Williams. Um uh, Michael Thomas. Oh, Michael Thomas. Yeah, it's Michael Thomas. Of course, he's hurt. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. As we mentioned, I think in the very first episode, I will never take him in fantasy with how you know unreliable he's been to stay healthy the past couple of years. I think that was just this was just like a minor injury, though. I, I don't think yeah, he's expected yeah, yeah. to miss much time. No, yeah. I think he'll he, yeah. he's either going to play this week or miss one week. Yeah, so not not too crazy for him. Uh, next one, as we mentioned for. Um, the Lions, we've got Swift out for two to three weeks. We've got Amon Ross St. Brown with a minor injury, uh, and, so we'll see. And on defense, I know it's not a big offensive thing, but Tracy Walker out for the year is massive yep. for the Lions. You know, he's our starting safety, yep. like I said, probably our best secondary player. David Montgomery, who we mentioned, uh, Khalil Herbert in the interim, seems like a very solid running back in uh, Montgomery's place with w- what performance he just gave. So we'll see, we'll see uh, how long he's out for. Uh, if he misses any time at all. But I think the Bears, if he's going to be gone, I think they're fine without him as far as the running game goes. So a big one, uh, we just mentioned the Chargers, who are not looking as strong as they could so far this year. Uh, their left tackle, Rashawn Slater, is out for the year, which I think is a very big loss for massive. them. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely massive, especially if you know Herbert, who has not recovered yet, if he keeps taking hits, it could be very, very bad. So uh, keep an eye out on that Texans game for that, if nothing else, just to see how much they get to the quarterback and uh, whether it affects Herbert too badly. But yeah, that's a huge, huge blow for them. And lastly, a quarterback injury. We have Mac Jones for the Patriots with a high ankle sprain. Uh, could miss a few weeks. Brian Hoyer is still the backup yeah. somehow. There's actually some controversy with how this injury is being handled apparently right now. Um, Mac Jones disagrees okay. with how the Patriots want to handle it. He's going to be out for a while. It's a it's a severe high ankle sprain, but um, it could be up to six weeks, I think. Yeah, I think they, they were saying that this is the type of injury that usually requires surgery yes but i guess they're just gonna let it heal on its own and see how it goes which i don't know that doesn't seem very responsible to me but if they were gonna have a chance before i think him being gone for any extended period probably puts the death knell for the patriots this season so 
especially if Brian Hoyer is the best that they've got to replace him. Although I hear Cam Newton's available. <laughs> it went so well before. Yeah, so that's it for the injuries. Going on to the other news stories, uh, we'll mention uh, Hurricane Ian when we get to the preview for Sunday Night Football. Uh, the other big story that's happened so far this week was Miles Garrett, who got involved in a single car crash, which involved his car flipping over a bunch, a bunch of times because he swerved to avoid hitting an animal. Um, he's got minor injuries. I think he's out of the hospital already. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he'll play this week, but it shouldn't miss. He shouldn't miss more than a week, I would say. That just depends on the nature of the the injuries, I guess. So I, yeah. I believe he had something to his bicep. Um, lacerations and one other minor injury where it's like he's you know he's he's probably just sore all over at this point and it just depends on if he needs a week to rest yeah so we will keep an eye on that but thankful that he's okay and that it wasn't worse for sure um so i think that should do it for any news are we missing any major stories i think those are all the big ones for now okay okay so moving on to third down which is our fantasy recap <sighs> pain it's more pain folks except for bobby except bobby for did me. okay Go ahead, Bobby. You can brag. All right. So I'm liking my team so far this year. I mean, I, I may have to replace St. Brown for a week, possibly, depending on how he feels, but um, loving the receiving core. Um, I ended up putting the most points in the league up again this week, um, and I'm leading the league in points by just over 100. So definitely very happy. It's it's early, and things can change dramatically with injuries and with players just you know suddenly not performing, but... Uh, definitely liking what, what it's looking like so far. Um, my only loss so far is to Nick uh, mm-hmm. with that less than one point. A blowout. Loss, but, it was a blowout, actually. Folks. Yeah. But um, and I was still OK with that just because of, you know, I put up a lot. Of, that, that was the highest scoring game of the week at that point. Um, yeah. And I've kind of continued that trend. So I'm optimistic, but it's early. Um, but I'm liking how, it's, how it looks. I'm two and one. Um, if I win this week, I believe I'm playing Arcadio. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame you're gonna have to lose this week. Yeah, Bobby. so we that's, I think we have a couple yeah, of pod be, matchups. Be a tough, tough draw for you. Yeah, yeah. The other the other match was also a pod matchup. I'm playing next. Yeah, so th- this should be fun next week to go into this. But um, I'm looking forward to it. Talking some shit in the uh, in the chat. I think it should be fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Amara yeah, uh, Saint Brown, rest up. Just just get completely yeah. healthy. Yeah. There, no no need to rush. No back hurry. Today. You're you're good, bud. <laughs> yeah, but I'm loving my Hurts uh, and AJ Brown. Uh, kind of duo there as my quarterback and wide receiver one, but I don't know who my wide receiver one is at this point because I have Brown, Waddle, and St. Brown and Evans, and you know Evans oh, obviously suspended. For oh, what a dilemma! Bobby, for a game, look, so. look what at, a dilemma! Oh, I don't know who my wide receiver one is. You know? It could be any of these. But guys. I'm I'm just saying that's that's my I, I'm usually a running back heavy team, and this is very rare for me to have all these receivers. But this year looked so rough at running back that I'm just like I need to get some great you know, receivers to kind of make up for this class essentially. Mm-hmm. So it worked out so far. Let's see if it continues. Yeah. So I guess I'll talk about how my team did. I took my first loss of the season folks, and it was an abysmal week for me. I got less than a hundred points total. I think well, let's see if I was lowest scoring in the league. I had 91. Okay. Arcadio actually scored less than me. Arcadio had 90. We had someone with 79 in our league. So I was third lowest scoring of the week. The big problem was that, my running backs combined for let's see, thirteen point three points between the three between the three running backs that I played because Montgomery got hurt. Miles Sanders is a weak running back too, but uh, he was my running back too. He got five point four. Joe Mixon also got hurt. Um, he he got taken out I think, like third quarter I want to say, and he didn't get any reps the rest of the game, so he stopped with six point eight. Joe Mixon hasn't blown blown me away. He's on both my teams this year, and he hasn't done too great fantasy wise. He had uh, let's see. 
first week he had 21, which is good. Last week he had 11. This week he had 7. So it's not great for him fantasy-wise so far, but he did get hurt. So hopefully if he's back and he's good this week, hopefully that's good for production. Yeah, my team just didn't really show much. The Bills uh, gave up or only scored me four points uh, their defense against the Dolphins. Uh, Allen Robinson went back to uh, what he was like in week one. He had like two catches for, I guess that's 23 yards. If I'm doing the math right if he got 4.3 points. So he's not blowing me away. Uh, Kirk Cousins I put in for Kyler Murray, which was a good call. Kirk Cousins outscored him by five points, but it wasn't a great uh, stats performance for Cousins, at least not compared to what his best fantasy output can be. Travis Kelsey got me 18 points. Christian Kirk got me 19. Kirk's actually my actually most consistent player this entire season so far. He's done really well for me. He got 18, then 26, and then 19. So he's been a bright spot. And the Bills defense I heard him this week has been a bright spot. But yeah, I've got clear holes in my team. Um, I'm trying to address them. I'm trying to make some moves. We will see what happens as far as that goes. But yeah, my running back depth is very weak. And I have one wide receiver who is really disappointing. My second wide receiver pick. T. Higgins came back and he did pretty well. It's on paper. I feel like I actually have one of the weaker teams in the league at this point, but we will see how things go. And we will see if any moves that I may or may not be making end up going through and what I can do with them. But yeah, week three was not great. I took an L. It didn't help that I was against Stephon Diggs, Cortland Sutton, uh, uh, Devin Singletary, other guys who had big performances. The Denver defense, which had 16 against the Niners. What are you going to do? I'll beat Jay. That's what I'll do. I'll recover. Yeah, we're tied. Uh, in terms of projected points, but I don't think my roster is as strong as yours, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, the last week came down to the wire as it has two weeks in a row now, and I lost on uh, C.D. Lamb going it's, off. Yes, that C.D. Lamb uh, touchdown at the end. You needed him to score like less than one more point, and he got a touchdown catch. A touchdown on the next play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, although there was yeah, yeah, the there was play. a lot of points sitting on the bench with Gage, who would yeah. have outscored D.J. Moore, who has been not performing at all all season so it might be time to pull him for someone who is has some more production and then uh, melvin gordon also managed to put up some points as well which uh he outscored some of my other players but yeah it's uh it's been uh, up and down fantasy wise it's like been a lot of close matchups that i lose on one player having a really big performance two Mm -hmm. weeks in a row so hopefully this week i can right the ship and get some booms my way and and uh Hopefully Nick gets some busts. We'll, we'll, it'll be a fun week to talk about it uh, yeah. as it goes. Arcadia, how about you? Yeah, not not a great week for my team. Um, I had a couple of players coming off of injury that, at least one of whom I probably shouldn't have started, uh, that being J.K. Dobbins. Uh, just, just doesn't look super involved at the moment, and, and the game script didn't really they, – they didn't really need him to do a whole lot in this game. Gabe Davis is – he he missed last week and this week he didn't produce very well and obviously we talked about Justin Herbert how he probably shouldn't have played in this game but uh, I I did leave him in and I I guess it was the wrong start because Daniel Jones on my bench put up one point more <laughs> so out of the frying pan into the freezer I was mm-hmm. I was done for either way um, yeah. Leaving Chris Olave on my bench kind of hurt, but still wouldn't have won the game, so it wouldn't have mattered. I, you you can expect he'll be probably an every week start going forward, and uh, yeah, just shake it off, move on. That's fantasy football. Yeah, yeah, we will see how things go. Um, again, I'm not happy with the way my team looks right now. I think I will have to make some serious moves. Probably have to get rid of some guys I don't want to get rid of just to get myself some depth in some places. So, if and when that happens, I will report back. But 
Yeah, looking at the week overall, we had some big booms. Uh, at wide receiver, we've got Devontae Smith, who had 31. Chris Olave, who had 24. Uh, Romeo Dobbs for the Packers, who had 23. Uh, as mentioned, he's uh, sort of emerging as uh, one of Rodgers' most reliable targets early in the season. Uh, at tight end, we have Mark Andrews had a big game with 29. Uh, that was one game we neglected to mention, other than the Mac Jones injury, was the Ravens and the Patriots. Uh, the Ravens, as uh, as usual, as has happened this year, Lamar Jackson has absolutely gone off again. He's I'd be surprised if he's not the number one overall scorer in fantasy right now. He's had an absolutely monster year, and Mark Andrews is, is having a monster year right alongside him. Uh, he's being, he's getting the bulk of what Lamar is actually throwing. So that was the tight ends. Khalil Herbert had the biggest week for running backs with 31. Uh, Jamal Williams for the Lions in relief of DeAndre Swift getting more of those carries at 20, uh, 25. Derrick Henry had a good game coming off of his disappointing first couple game couple games of the season. Uh, yeah, quarterback Lamar hurts Josh Allen. It's exactly what you expect fantasy wise. If you got a quarterback who can run, especially if he runs into the end zone, I mean you're in the best position you can be in fantasy. So if you have Lamar or Hurts on your team, you're in a good position. Uh, so yeah. yeah, having Lamar's been fun. Yeah, I have Lamar in my other league, and I'm still one and two in that league because the rest of my team is just not producing enough. I'm three and zero in my other league, so that's my only right spot this week. Good for you. Yeah, so going into the fancy bus, DJ Moore, uh, 2.5 points. Uh, he wasn't good last year either. I think I've had him like three straight years, and he was disappointing last year as well. Um, he and Robbie Anderson both were kind of disappointing last year, yeah, along well, with the Panthers as a whole. But ba- Baker's been just straight up bad this year, so yeah. he's not really supporting a fantasy offense at this point. That doesn't help matters. Allen Robinson should be better, but he's got Cooper Cup ahead of him. He should be making himself more of a presence than he is. Um, he's not, Ben Skoranek, baby. Yeah, Skoranek is doing way better in the interim uh, or in uh, in place of Allen Robinson so far, which, I mean, hey, good for the Rams. It's working out for them, but it's kind of painful for me because I, I liked Allen Robinson. I, I was hoping he would shine more in a better offense than what Chicago had, but that is not the case so far because he has the best receiver in the league ahead of him, and he's got a big standout early on in the year ahead of him as well, so... We'll see how it goes for him, but I'm not confident in how he plays the rest of the season. And the last bust at wide receiver is Tyreek Hill, who has had two mediocre weeks, and uh, in between he had an absolute monster week two, which is kind of in line with what Tyreek Hill usually does. If he's not doing fantastic, he's usually pretty quiet. He doesn't just have like a solid game for you. He either goes off for 30-something or he'll get you like five, which is what's happened so far this year. At uh, tight end, Darren Waller, uh, let's see, he had 5.2 points. He Not could great. have had so much more. He could have had so much could more. Have. Yeah, and George Kittle had 6.8 in his first game back from injury. And, and his problem is that he's got Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to him, and he's on a run-heavy offense. That's George Kittle's problem. Kittle's still good, though. Really yeah, good he's still run good. Blocking. Again, if he were on a better offense, he'd probably give you more protection, but it is what it is. So Joe Mixon, as we mentioned, didn't finish the game. Alvin Kamara only got 7.3 points. He's been very quiet this year. Like, really, really quiet this year. I feel like his best fantasy days are behind him. I, I would hit the panic button on that. Yeah. But that's also the Saints in general are question marks. Yeah. Well, the whole I, team's a question mark. I think without Breeze um, consistently checking the ball down to Kamara, yes. um, he kind of loses a lot of value. Winston doesn't tend to check down. He takes more chances downfield. Um, mm-hmm. So I think just that tendency brings his fantasy value down quite a bit. Yeah, and Miles Sanders, as you mentioned, so it's great to see that two of my wide receivers and two of my running backs are busts this week. It's great to see that. Um, yeah, quarterback two had an underwhelming week. Obviously, he got injured, and it wasn't nearly as high scoring of an affair. Um, so he went back to like a more typical Tua fantasy performance. Russell Wilson only had nine points. Uh, yeah, if he's your starter, um, 
I'm very sorry to hear that is what I can say because <clears throat> yeah. Hey, hey, we've already talked some. We've already talked enough shit about them this episode. Let's stop it. But yeah. Hey, we. I'm I'm facing or the Lions are facing Seattle next week, so I'm actually. Hey, pretty, yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. So that'll be fun. More shit talk happening in the group chat, but oh yeah, yeah. If Russell Wilson's your starter, I would recommend you check the waiver wire immediately because I don't see it turning around in the next few weeks at the very least. Luckily, he's my backup in my other league, so uh, I only have to start him once this year. So yeah, that will do it for fantasy. Was there any anything else I wanted to mention? Any standouts that we missed? Any busts that we missed? Any uh, anything we want to mention? Any shit we want to talk before we move on? <laughs> I mean, I think it's just going to be a fun week for next week. Yeah, fantasy. I think this is like part of why you play the game is to have some good times with your friends and uh it's been interesting because i think all all through the first three weeks of the season we've all been uh sort of cheering on each other's fantasy teams or like trying to or watching out for each other's fantasy players mm-hmm. so in terms of fantasy teams that i know like i know your three teams a little bit better than i know the rest of the teams in the oh league. absolutely and yep. so uh it it's gonna make it a lot more interesting when we are actively rooting against our the people who we have been rooting for for the last few weeks Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's going to be so much slander in the group chat. Oh, I've been, I've already been rooting against Nick all, all year. So, oh you know, yeah, yeah. Ever since yeah. the first, week. which I understand. Yeah, I thrive off negativity, so I understand mm-hmm. your standpoint. I, I appreciate the spite. Yeah, but yeah. Anybody other than the six who are make up our total group chat, the other half of the league, I don't really know who anybody has. I know like one player everybody has on their team, but the rest yeah. is just a total mystery to me. But yeah, so we will report back with the uh, matchups. I've. I always enjoy when people on the pod have matchups against each other, and we're doubling up this week. So we'll report back in week four with how that went. Uh, So moving on to fourth down, we will preview what's happening next week, and we will start that, of course, with our primetime predictions. So this Thursday, we have got the Dolphins at Cincinnati playing the Bengals, who got their first win of the season against the Jets. They looked better because it's the Jets that they played against, but they're still not looking quite back to form yet, the Bengals. So it's an interesting matchup. I think, you know, on paper, I feel like the Bengals still should win this game. But with how they've been playing and how the Dolphins have been playing, the momentum is a factor. And I think I'll take the Dolphins in a close one, I think is my prediction. Yeah, this this was tough for me. I mean, I think this was the toughest to pick. Honestly, this is a really good week. Uh, all three games, I think, are going to be good yes. games. But um I had the toughest time, but I went with the Bengals over the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are going to show – they're going to be a little bit down after the big win over the Bills, um, and Tua's beat up. Um, The Bengals are kind of getting back in the groove. So I could definitely see the Dolphins winning this game, but I'm going to go with the Bengals in a close one, I think. Yeah, I – Honestly, I think I'm going to take the Bengals as well. Again, like Nick mentioned, they they did play the Jets last week, and so maybe they, they looked a little better than they probably actually are. But I think with Tua being kind of banged up and this game being at home for the Bengals, I think this is just too big of a game for the Bengals to lose. So I, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I'll put on the Tua non hat. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll ride with Tua and, uh, and Mike McDaniel. Uh, I think... I mean, I, I honestly could go either way, but sometimes you got to take some risks. And uh, I've taken one risk so far in our predictions, and that's paid off. So I'll take another risk, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, we are a house divided. Bobby said we're split. I'm going to say we're a house divided. So that's our Thursday night prediction. Sunday night football, another marquee quarterback matchup. You've got, possibly for the last time, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. This is, as of now, scheduled to be in Tampa, but with the hurricane that's approaching Florida this weekend, it could get moved. I've heard uh, Minneapolis is a possible location because I believe the Vikings are in New Orleans, so the stadium will be open. Um, if it does happen, that'll be on like a day or two's notice, I I think. 
if the, if the game does get moved. So we will see what happens as far as that goes. Um, on a neutral site, I still think, even even if this was in Raymond James, I still think the Chiefs are better than the Bucks right now at this point than the Bucks have shown. Mike Evans being back will help them, but I still think the Chiefs have this one. I think it'll be a somewhat close game, but I still think the Chiefs are... They're going to have a chip on their shoulder. Mahomes is still going to be petty about the Super Bowl loss to Brady. I still think all that factoring in will give the Chiefs enough motivation that they'll win this game against the Bucks, who have not been promising throughout this year in terms of what they're actually showing the field. Yeah, and that I went the same way. Um, so I have the, the Chiefs winning. But it's interesting because both teams are coming off of very tough losses um, and mm-hmm. kind of last-minute plays. But um, I think the Chiefs have just shown that they're a much stronger team overall at this point especially on offense, like you said. So um, I'm picking the Chiefs early in the season. Maybe if it was later and the, and the, and the Bucks had gotten their offense together, um, it would be closer, but I'm picking the Chiefs for now. I think I'll, I'll ride with the crowd on this one and take the Chiefs as well. I I just don't have, like, who's Tom throwing to? And, and I mean, Tom's Mike, good at... Mike Evans will have a career obviously. game this week, folks. Uh, but... Yeah, I don't. It's like you have Evans, and then it's kind of nobody's after that. So I, I think I'll also take the Chiefs, but uh, again, this this one could also go either way. You know, the Bucks—they have a really good defense. Like, the, despite how kind of underperforming their offense has been, that first game against the Cowboys—they they look dominant, and even this game against the the Packers, the Packers couldn't really move the ball that well. Um, obviously the Packers don't have as good an offense as the Chiefs, I think, but I'm going to follow the crowd and say the Chiefs, but I have a feeling that this might be a mistake. It's Tom Brady, so I'm always going to feel very big against him, even in the regular season. But yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult. Um, interestingly, so the Chiefs are the odds favorites, but the ESPN matchup predictor has the Bucks as 66% likely to win this game somehow, which is the most lopsided odds I think of any game that I've seen on the ESPN app this week. So I don't know how that's working, but the Chiefs are minus two favorites. I think on a neutral site, this will be more interesting if it ends up happening that way. Hopefully it doesn't for the sake of the people of Florida and all that. But um, yeah, we'll see how that turns out. That might be one of the more interesting stories to follow just to see if this gets moved or maybe even delayed. Um, so yeah, we'll see how, how that goes. But I mean, it's a marquee quarterback matchup. There'll be increased interest in it for obvious reasons. And again, I think it could be the last game that Mahomes and Brady ever play against each other. So there's that added drama as well. Uh, so the last game, the Monday Night Football game, it's an NFC West matchup. We've got both teams back on primetime again. We have the San Francisco 49ers hosting the defending champion LA Rams in a rematch of the NFC Championship game, although this one is at the opposite stadium. I think this will be another fairly close matchup thanks to the defenses involved, but the Rams should win this one based on how the Niners just played. And I think I'll still go with the Rams overall, but I don't think it'll be their usual level of production on offense. Agree again. Um, I had the Rams, but I think... These are both teams that have not lived up to their potential yet this year. Uh, mm-hmm. The Rams have looked ugly, even though they've won two games. And San Francisco obviously has had a couple of rough games. But I think the Rams have been a little bit more complete so far, especially on offense, even with even with Stafford kind of struggling a bit. So um, I think it will be close. I think it's going to be kind of a defensive struggle, but I think the Rams win. Yeah, I'm also taking the Rams. I just think offensively they're just a, a more consistent team than the 49ers, even though they haven't really been able to get Allen Robinson involved 
as much like we mentioned earlier. I, I don't think the Niners have an answer for Cooper Cup. And I don't think Jimmy G against that that Rams defensive line. I don't think Jimmy G is going to be able to get much of anything going. I think it's going to be very similar to how he was against the Broncos. Uh, so I guess that leaves me to go for a pick here. And uh, I think while I agree with the sort of sentiment and I feel like I was leaning towards the Rams yesterday, I, I don't know if I can pick against my team. And I also think that the matchup will be fairly close. They, the 49ers are favored. And I think that another week and some more time for the team to gel, uh, prime time at home, uh, coming off of a loss, I think the team does have a good bounce back capability. And I think Shanahan's always kind of had McVay's number. Uh, and so I have kind of faith and like, yeah, in the, in the NFC title game last year, it didn't work out, but I think that was one Jaquaski tart, like ball in his hands, interception away from making it happen. So I'll take the Niners again, kind of putting myself out on a limb, but, uh, that's, you gotta, gotta go with your team sometimes. Damn, Jay, with the Homer pick, I would never do that. No, definitely haven't done that <laughs> weeks in a row. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do genuinely think they'll win, that, that they'll win these games. We're, we don't get to pick week six against Buffalo because uh, that's not a primetime game. That's the CBS game of the week when we get there. But I will not be picking the Chiefs in week six unless Josh Allen goes down for the season or something. So those are our picks for primetime. Uh, let me scroll back in the group chat. We have an update on how we're doing, how each of us are doing for our picks this year so far. Um, I, I know them. If if you want me to just give the update. So um, as of now, because of this week, um, I went two and one. Uh, Jay and Nick bo- both went one and two and Arcadio, unfortunately went zero oh and three. Um, so the updating standings are Jay and I are six and four. Uh, Nick is five and five and Arcadio is four and six. So we're kind of bunched up. It's early. Mm-hmm. Um, it can change very quickly, but uh, yeah, that's where we're at right now. Kind of hovering around that 500 mark. Yeah. I think as a group, we're 21 and 19, if it did the math right. So yep. we are above 500 technically. That could go down after this week because we have a lot of same picks. So uh, if, if we if we suffer, we suffer together this week, boys. So uh, yeah, I mean, I hope that my uh, kind of upset picks pop off and I can you can I break can away. Well. we'll see. Yeah, so we will see. That's our preview for prime time. Let me look at what else is happening this week. Any notable games? Uh, let's um, see. The Jags and the Eagles looks interesting. Yeah, that, that'll be fun. Oh, next week is a London game. There's a London game. Yes, we get the Vikings so, and the Saints at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, which is... 6.30 uh, a.m., baby. Yeah. You're up for Formula One, and you're not watching that game, I believe is what you said. Uh, I'll be up for Formula One if I end up going to, like, a sports bar, because uh, I will be in Vegas. If I end up going to a sports bar for the game, I probably will end up just sticking around through the Saints game. But if mm. I don't end up going to a sports bar for the game and watch it on my phone like I usually do with Formula One races, I will probably not see that game, or at least not the majority of the beginning part of it. But honestly, I'm actually a big fan of um, the sort of uh, London games because it's like I wake up, a game's already in progress. Usually it's a pretty mediocre game, so it's not like you've missed much in the first half. You get to watch the second half and then roll into your football day. Absolutely. But it will mean uh, setting your lineups early for fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, oh. players uh, on the Saints and who are they playing? The Vikings. 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 Yeah, be sure to not not put those players in your flex. Yeah, Bills Ravens. I think is the yep. other big Bills, one. Yeah, Bills Bills Ravens is the other big one. Both those games are happening in the first slate of games. Um, so that's that's an intriguing matchup. Um, the Bills are still favorite, as I would probably favor them as well. Patriots and Packers. Uh, 
without Mac Jones, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't have picked the Patriots anyway. But um, Green Bay minus ten is the spread right now. That's a yeah, little that's high, a but spread. ten. Yeah, that's a, that's uh, a pr- yeah. Yep. Against Brian Hoyer, that's massive I mean, for yeah, an NFL game. I understand. I know. This is not college. It's not fucking minus forty against the the hoodie. I don't know. Minus ten's a lot. Ten for a yeah. a team that has not put it together on offense too, as far as Green Bay goes. So yeah, that, it's in Lambeau. So yeah. maybe there's that. It's in Lambeau, and I mean the Patriots' defense hasn't been too badly affected by injuries, as far as I've heard yet. Uh, they did give up quite a bit to Lamar last week, but it's Lamar who looks somewhat unstoppable. But yeah, I wouldn't, so. I wouldn't be surprised to put a little bit of money, a little bit of money down on the Patriots. Same, yeah, to cover. I, I could see that, but yeah, I think that spread's going to go down because everyone's going to put money on that with that spread. I think it started at ten and a half, so it's already gone down a little bit. Like yeah. on Sunday night, it was ten and a half, so we'll see. Uh, as far as how uh, our teams look, uh, obviously I've got the Chiefs and the Bucks happening on Sunday night. Uh, Bobby, you've got the Seahawks and Lions as you mentioned. Uh, I think yep. the yeah the Lions are favored minus four and a half in that game. I would take the Lions. Niners, as we mentioned, are on primetime as well. And lastly, the Broncos play the Raiders in the late game on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and Jay's going to be in town. Yeah, yeah, Jay will be in Vegas. Yeah, I was I was almost going to go to that game, but the tickets to get in are like two hundred fifty dollars minimum. So I will tickets not be as low as two ten according to ESPN. That's without fees. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, so uh, our overall viewing habits might be a bit limited uh, this this upcoming weekend as far as Red Zone goes compared to what we've been doing this year because Jay will be in Vegas. I will be traveling to a hotel for work, so I will miss probably a lot of the first set of games. I might just put the audio of Red Zone on on my phone in the car while I'm driving a couple hours uh, just to listen to what's happening throughout the day. Uh, so that might be what I do. We'll see, but I will definitely be all settled in to watch the Chiefs play on Sunday night, if nothing else. So we'll be back to you next week with the results of all our picks, all our fantasy, just all the news of what happened in the league. You know what the show is about. You know what we talk about. It's going to be another week. Uh, hopefully our teams right the ship, and it's not as painful next week. We, we kept we'll it in hope. check. We didn't sound as miserable as I thought we would. I, I sort of got there because I went, I went on and on and on, and I'm like, we're starting to remember every annoying thing that the Chiefs did throughout that game, and it was getting me a little heated, but... It's annoying to see our teams not play as well as, as you know that they can and should. That's that's the annoying part. It's not that they're hopeless. It's the fact that they actually do have potential and the fact that they were ignoring it. All of our teams ignored their like ignored how good they could be this weekend. So let's hope run run the ball once in a while, Josh. Andy, run the ball once in a while. At least not directly up the gut. Let's let's get a little bit creative with these play calls. Kyle, do absolutely anything. Okay. I think we're good then. So I think that will do us for this week, our week three recap here on 4th and Infinity. It was a painful week, kind of a fun week in some ways, a bit painful in terms of the primetime stuff. This week hopefully looks a bit more promising. So as I said, we'll be back next week to recap what happened in week four of the NFL. I'll probably be up bright and early Sunday morning. I mean, it's not that early. 8.30 for me is not too bad to watch a game, but I'll probably be up early for that, and we'll have a full day of football as usual. And we'll be back next week, but I think that will do it for us. So we will see you next week for week four. 